Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with lots in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, we're revisiting the 80s as, fresh out of a divorce, Rodney Dangerfield's millionaire Thornton Mellon decides to join his son at college for a re-education in life, love and lots of partying. It's 1986 and we're going back to school. While in the blue corner, it's Luke Wilson's Mitch who's fresh out of a relationship and finds himself back on campus with Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell helping him get his life back on track by rebuilding him as the Godfather. From 2003, we're at old school. Guess who's getting some class? I'm going to college. Rodney Dangerfield's going back to school. That's what I call marine biology. Hey, boys, here's a couple of pens in case you learn how to write. Okay. When I used to dream about going to college, this is the way I always pictured it. Wait a minute, when did you dream about going to college? When I used to fall asleep in high school. Here's a book on sex education. Let me see that. The world's oldest living freshman. Excuse me. True love is hard to find. Sometimes you think you have true love and then you catch the early flight home from San Diego. Today, Mitch's life took an unexpected turn. Heidi? What are you doing home? And a couple of new people jump out of your bathroom blindfolded like a damn magic show. I'm really sorry. Now, he's starting over. Mitch, you're on the rebound. You're like an injured young fawn. So, it's a campus kerfuffle this week, but which film is better? Let's find out together. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Butters. Bring us a pitcher of beer every seven minutes until someone passes out. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Chris Tilly. And that's it. Just the two of us this week. V is away. She's currently engaged in her favourite pastime of unofficial cheese rolling. She just loves to watch that cheese roll. 
She loves she loves watching a cheese roll and she loves eating a cheese roll. <laughs> she loves anything <laughs> roll-based that includes cheese. She's sold. Sign her up. So if you're having a cheese roll-based party, either literally or metaphorically, Vicky wants an invite. But yes, it's just Tilzo and myself welcoming you to part one of Back to School versus Old School. If you are new to the show, this is how it works. We'll be doing Back to School today and Old School on Thursday, at which point we will declare which is the better film. So, let's get this mucky business out of the way first. The clue I gave on last week's show was a fucking disaster. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've listened to the show. Uh-huh. Um, what I, but what I also appreciate is you were jet-lagged. I was. Yeah, I let's mean, use you, that. you sort of embarrassingly say, oh, one of my clues is pretty similar to the title <laughs> of one of the films. You're thinking about old school, <laughs> forgetting that one of them's actually called Back to School. Yeah. It's wonderful. Mm. I, was sh- I went through all the, all the emotions of grief when I heard it. I was <laughs> shocked. I, I didn't believe you'd done it. And then it's like, well, what do I do as a clue? Mm. I'll just tell people. Yeah, yeah. What you did was just reinforce just how bad my clue giving was. <laughs> by going, Alex literally said one of the film's titles. Threw you under the bus. Yeah, you did. You did. So that was the clue on Twitter, uh, which surprisingly, consider the piss-poor attempt I made at clue giving and your follow-up, we didn't get that many correct guesses. We've only got a couple. Okay. Uh, so if People you do- were embarrassed for you. <laughs> uh, your guesses were called to assembly on our Twitter, where we are at ClashPod, and we're also on Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod. If you're in the business for a little extra Clash, also please do help grow the pod subscribe to our clash of the titles youtube channel for some best clashing from throughout the years uh, right then uh, let's do this uh, a lot of people went for back to school versus billy madison which mm. i can understand sure but i feel like we've done one adam sandler baby voice movie yeah that's enough it is it is. I didn't realise that until I watched Happy Gilmore first. Uh, mm. Although that's not really a baby voice. It's angry, Adam Sandler. But yeah, I mean, I like Billy Madison, but I'm 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 very into this pairing. Yes, good. Very into I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm relieved actually. Uh, so, uh, Ian Robson, congratulations. Although again, again, you got the correct answer just like last week, but you were beaten to the punch this week. Our champion who passes his exam with flying colours with the first correct guess is Paul, aka. At Mr. Film Nerd, well done, Paul. Your prize is a certificate for your record of achievement, which, when I was at school, was a thing that we were told to collect certificates into because it was really going to matter, and then it just didn't. Really? Yeah, do you not... You You don't have to show that before you interview Christopher Nolan? (laughs) No, God, no. We talked about Highgate a lot. Did you? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. (laughs) Neighbours. Yeah, well, sort of. Yeah, close enough, yeah. Yeah, let's say that. Yeah, (laughs) neighbours, neighbours. So... Connection section, cheating partners. Yeah, I'm cheating at a party that you're attending. Mm. This is a niche one. I like it, though. Businessmen asking their friends what they think of their performance Mm. in adverts. Yeah, that's very specific. Um, What have I got? A big concluding contest, casual racism, um, a live music number where your protagonist gets up on stage. Mm. Unfit men doing incredible (laughs) gymnastic feats. Yep. Boobs. Yeah, of course. Evil Deans. I've had casual racism. Mm. Um, That's the last time I'll say that. Uh, The most boring love interest (laughs) in the history of film. (laughs) Yeah, okay, okay, got there. Uh, Parties that are declared by someone in the film as the greatest of all time. Cheating in tests, did you say that? No, I just said cheating partners. Right, cheating in tests. Back to school, he uses a team to write his essays in old school. They use the internet. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. 
Uh, I think that's all I got. Yeah. Uh, weird celebrity cameos. Sure. Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut and yep. James Carvel are two very, very strange mm-hmm. uh, cameos to have in films of this sort. Agree. Agree. That's all I got. Great. All right. All right. All right. Let's get into this. So on Thursday, I'll be going streaking in old school, which means today Chris is diving in at the deep end with back to school. Chris. Oh, why did you say diving? <laughs> I don't know. That's going to come back. Take us on a journey. 1986 is the brief period when diving was the most popular sport in the world. Kid would att- kids would attend school to dive. Muscle-bound jocks with mullets would all dive. The divers had the best parties and hooked up with the hottest girls. Dive meets would feature dive cheerleaders and the entire campus would lose their minds cheering on star divers from the packed stands. Back to school is about one such diver, Thornton Mellon, who opened for a horse at the Jersey Water Show when he was a kid, then got sidetracked by a clothes business, but now has a shot at redemption by pulling off a triple Lindy in the big dive meet at the end of the film. He nails it, but that moment also marked the end of diving's dominance across the world. Do you know, I wrote down in my notes, um, it really does. Back to school massively assumes an audience's familiarity with the rules of diving. And I only found out a few years ago when I ended up watching some diving that it's about the size of the splash. You've got to make the smallest splash. Don't mm. let that, oh, that splash better be small if you're going to get top points. This assumes that people go, right, I've got that. I know that from real life. We all know it from the Olympics, though, don't we? Not me. Not me. You not watch the Tom Ladd? I mean, Tom, what's his chops? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tom... Daily. Daily. Well done, yeah. 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 Because yeah. I always remember it because Daily Tom Son. Okay, yeah. yeah. And Greg Luganis, don't you remember that? 88, he smashed his head on the diving board. Ooh. Yeah. Nasty. Blood in the water. Was he all right? Yeah. Do you get marks for or against <laughs> with that? Like, That's wow. a quadruple, Lindy. Okay. Um, yeah, but I, there's something I like as well about, I get it, you're writing a, a high school movie, every movie is bas- uh, basketball or American football, hmm. you want to try something different. Sure. Diving. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, look, it is more universal than American football. So in that respect, you know, it's good. It's sort of bringing in your international audience. (laughs) Yeah. Which they assume know the rules of freaking diving. I don't know if this did, but it was a big hit in America. Uh, Right. So, yeah, apologies. So, (laughs) I mean, uh, last week, I want to apologise to everyone listening to last week's episode because I think sometimes my arrogance that if I haven't heard of a movie means everyone hasn't heard of it and as it turns out I should have heard of this I didn't realize what a massive hit it was the sixth biggest movie in the world in 1986 it was bigger than the best movie in the alien franchise aliens I could not believe it it was the fourth highest grossing movie of the year in America Mm. Fourth. But globally. It made more money than aliens Ferris Bueller the golden child all of which we've done Mm mm-hmm I mean, yeah, this was a bit of a phenomenon. Him and him and Danny DeVito were on the front of People magazine. He'd just done Ruthless People, Hollywood's new hunks. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a nice to Lovely stuff. That is great. Makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> um, all right, some brief background on this one. Uh, there's not a lot. Um, comedian Rodney Dangerfield. This is our third Dangerfield movie. Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. Go on. Natural Born Killers. Who is he in Natural Born Killers? I forgot. Oh, he's the... Oh, my God! Yeah, we talked about how amazing he was. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's the evil. We talked about how amazing he was. Awful, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, So he came to comedy late. Uh, He sold aluminium siding before uh, 
having success in the world of stand-up. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't until he was in his 40s he hit it big um, with the catchphrase, I can't get no respect. <laughs> he would say that while pulling his collar and straightening his tie. Yeah. That's his act. Yeah, which I think sort of is great for this movie because it's the, uh, you know, working man done good yeah. arc, which mirrors his real life. And I think what's great is... Thornton Mellon, his generosity on screen in that character mirrors what Rodney was like in real life, especially mm. when it comes to comedy and the way he supported new acts and broke mm-hmm. new acts. Like, I mean, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, he was Jim Carrey was still a teenager when Rodney mm. Dangerfield was like, this kid's got it. I'm going to get him to support me in Vegas. Yeah, I think he wrote the foreword to, to Rodney's autobiography. Mm. Sam Kinison, who we'll get to, he was yep. a big supporter of. Yep. Uh, he had his, his own comedy club where he developed these acts there. Mm. But yeah, and he's one of those few actors of the modern-ish era that literally just transferred his stand-up act to the films. Mm-hmm. Other, other comedians would, would learn to act, yeah. whereas he's like, no, I'll just do these one-liners. Which is why he is an acquired taste. Like, if you like him, you bloody love mm-hmm. him. And if you don't, you'll never get used to the idea of reeling off gags yeah. rather than interacting with other characters. Yeah, yeah. Well, when was the first time you saw this movie? I've never seen it before. Sure. So yeah. I saw this when I was eight because of Caddyshack. Yeah. And he is, to an eight-year-old, he's like a cartoon character brought to life. You're not getting all the jokes, mm-hmm. but his eyes are popping out of his head and it all seems very funny. Mm. And what you are getting is funny, so... I'd argue that compared to Caddyshack, this is a performance. Like he's, as in, he's performing as the character Thornton Mellon. I was, there was a bit, we'll come to it, where I'm just like, that's fantastic acting. Mm. That isn't just a comedian going, here's another gag, here's another gag, here's another gag. This is a really good performance. But what I hadn't clocked until I watched it this time is this is essentially a sequel to Caddyshack. There's a slight difference in his character we'll go into, but the behaviour, the dialogue, the clothes, there's even a photo from Caddyshack at the start of the movie just connecting these two things. Shared universe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the RDCU. No, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the RDCU, the Rodney Dangerfield Cinematic Imagine Universe. universe. Yeah, sure. Love it. Um, so in his autobiography that I just mentioned, It's Not Easy Being Me, um, he credits uh, writer Harold Ramis with sorting out this script um, because Dangerfield initially worked with a team of writers and produced... A screenplay about a poor schmo, as he describes it, um, who would go to college to motivate his son and works at a car wash to pay their tuition. Ramis suggested that it would be a lot funnier if the character was rich, an un- uneducated rich guy, but one who was more generous and fair than the guy he played in Caddyshack. Uh, Dangerfield urged the studio to delay production and hire Ramis for a rewrite, and the rest is history. Mm. He's good, isn't he, Ramis? I think we've talked about other scripts that he's... I can't remember off the top of my head, sure. but he's certainly been a go-to guy for, like, just switch that one thing and yep. gold. Yeah, but there's also a lot of scenes from Caddyshack in this film. <laughs> uh, I, I was quite shocked when, we got to, when I got to the conclusion, but we will get there. Uh, the director was a chap called Alan Metta, who did Girls Just Want to Have Fun before this and Moving After, both of which I regret watching. Oh. Uh, then he went on to helm a film that connects back to the last childish duo you and I clashed. So we were going to do two serious horror films this week, mm. and then when Vicky was away, we were like, well... She'll want to do these two films. What can we do that's really stupid? <laughs> that's how we've ended up with this pairing. And this is like the last time we did something quite stupid while she was away. He directed uh, a film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was it Stripes? No. Oh, was it? Police he directed Academy? a sequel to a film we did. Police Academy Two. No. Go on. Mission to Moscow. Oh, did he really? Oh, oh God! How oh. the mighty fell. Even I can't find love for that. No. 
abysmal. Mm. Uh, that's it I've got for background. I've got some fun quotes, but we'll get to them. Mm. I, uh, it's worth noting that we, we, we should point out that we are self-aware enough to know that we've waited for Vicky to go away to do two movies. What this is, this is basically the Clash of the Titles episode, which is now when, in the future, you'll look back on this and go, really? In the same way you look back and watch Seth MacFarlane's opening number at the Oscars, we saw your boobs and go, well, was that ever a good idea? No, if Vicky was here, she'd be loving this, but we're going to look at them with a critical eye because we're grown-ups, aren't we? The world's changed, Alex. Yeah, the world has Vicky changed. doesn't get that sometimes. The world has changed. I've got an interesting quote from Todd Phillips on Thursday about whether old school could exist today if it was made today in the same form. I think a lot of it couldn't. Mm. I think that's dated worse than this. Well, you'll hear what Todd Phillips says on Thursday. Forward sell, forward sell. <laughs> Jeopardy. <laughs> oh, no, we should say that, actually. Fair fight on our hands this week. Yes. Very fair fight. These two films. And again, I was watching Back to School for the first time. So I had my mind made up. I was like, really going up against old school? Yeah. And I'd not heard of it because no one had heard of it, apparently. Uh, yeah, I was really impressed with this film. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm chuffed because I do worry sometimes when I chuck one of these in mm. that I'm just going to get abused for an hour. Yeah, yeah, you're not. Not this time. Lovely uh, stuff. <laughs> this isn't. Not <laughs> this time. This isn't. It's never surrender, whatever it's called. Already no forgotten. retreat, no surrender. No retreat, no surrender. Yeah. Which I actually like. Yeah, you did. You wanted yeah. to vote for it, Alex. <laughs> yeah, in fact, that was you who stopped me <laughs> yeah. voting for it. All right. Right. New York City, 1940. Uh, a kid wants to work in his dad's tailor, but he got bad grades at school. If he hasn't got an education, he's nothing. The kid then pulls his collar like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> it's young Rodney Dangerfield. Then we've got the opening credits, a sort of New York City montage to a Danny Alfman score, a very good Danny Alfman score. Mm. Um, yeah. Apparently this score ended up being used mm. in trailers and people would use it, Hollywood producers, directors, would use it as a stand-in score and tell their composers... This is what I want. I want a score like this. I can imagine. It's very uplifting. Mm. It's very uplifting. Uh, so uh, that score is over the top of really badly uh, superimposed photos of Thornton <laughs> Mellon, played by Roddy Dangerfield, into pictures. Yep. I mean, it looks terrible, but I think purposely maybe they look a bit rubbish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Intentional. Okay, good, good. Uh, so we cut to the present day, and um, Thornton Mellon has lots of big and tall stores called Tall and Fat. Uh and he's a very, very successful man. Yeah. We see one of his adverts. Uh, he asks the overweight people that he's selling to, do you look at a menu and say, okay? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't do those jokes. No, of course not. No. Of course not. But it's 1986. So yes. that laugh, that... <laughs> That was a 1986 laugh. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. travelled here from the past. <laughs> uh, he's got a son who's a bit of a wet wipe called Jason. Uh, he phones him up. He's got a big dive meet coming up. Mm. But he hasn't. He's really the towel boy. We know this, but Thornton doesn't. Thornton doesn't. Nope. Um, Thornton's wife, played by Adrian Barbeau, mm -hmm. who we know and love from many, many uh, John Carpenter movies. Yeah. Um, She's got a great quote about this movie. She says, uh, director Alan Metta should have been given an Academy Award. Uh, not, not for Mission to Moscow, uh, <laughs> but for getting Rodney to stand still. She said he's hysterically funny. He'd start a riff and Alan would eventually have to step in and say, Rodney... That's so funny, but I just I just don't think it works here. 
Well, that's the trouble when you get a stand-up to do his act. He's just going to keep going until he gets the laugh. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, the wife is Stupping Giorgio, played by... Our friend the cowboy and Star Trek Voyager's doctor. What's his name? Robert Picardo. Yeah, there you go. Thank there you. Go. That's fine. Yeah, that's um, lots of actually lovely faces and character actors and funny people in this movie. Everywhere you look, there's someone good. Yep. Uh, he only has barely a line, um, but he has sex with her in a cupboard, pretty much. Uh, while uh, Thornton Mellon makes himself a sandwich. Do you like the sandwich? I do like the look of that okay. sandwich, yeah. Hollows it out yeah. and then stuffs it full of food. That's how you make a great sandwich. You've yeah. got to get rid of some of that bread, hollow that baguette out. He's the common man. He, isn't, he doesn't want the highfalutin finger food. He wants normal, manly food. Yeah, agreed. Um, he serves his wife divorce papers. And then he does a flip and somersaults into his swimming pool. That's set up for later. Because <laughs> I did wonder. I was like, weird, weird moment. <laughs> is this going to be a film about diving? Uh, yes, actually, it is. Doesn't he win, though? He wins with the cheating wife. There's something he does. Like She's like, oh, I'm going to take you for all you've got. But there's, I can't remember what it is, but he's got something in the bag that mm. stops her doing that. I was like, good on you. Good on you, Taunton. Uh, so he decides to head to college. Uh, there's a scene of him, it's just him in the back of a limo making facial expressions. Uh, that constitutes a scene in Nightmare 86. <laughs> He's just bulging eyes as he looks out the window. When you've got that face, though, it works. When yep. you've got Rodney Dangerfield's face, you can have an entire scene that is just faces. <laughs> so he heads to the Grand Lakes University. Uh, this was shot at the University of Wisconsin, which is apparently the university that Rodney Dangerfield applied to when he was a kid and got rejected from. Oh, wow. So isn't that isn't that... Lovely. He, he, apply, he also applied to become a member. I think in the 90s, he applied to become a member of the Academy and got a letter from one of the Academy members who I guess they must have said, you're the guy who has to send the letter. But it was our friend from Fright Night, Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell sent this letter going, basically, it's about having a, a, a body of work that says you are a master in this craft. Do you want the direct quote? I'd love it. Uh as a comedian, he had failed to execute enough of the kind of roles that allow a performance to demonstrate the mastery of his craft. Mm. Rodney's fans went nuts yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, they ended up having to offer him membership, and Rodney Dangerfield declined. <laughs> he said, they don't even apologise or nothing. They give no respect at all, pardon the pun, to comedy. <laughs> yeah, it's well... Arguably, still very true. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, he's heading to uni and he walks into a sorority thinking it's a fraternity. Mm -hmm. And there's some boobies. Boobs! Boobs, boobs, boobs! Yeah, problematic now. He does a double take. Yeah, I don't think... I think, you know, to give it its... The benefit of the doubt. What it does is he goes, he opens, he's like, oh, sorry. And then he opens it again to, uh, yeah. yeah. Get that, a peek. Yeah, at that point, you know. But look, let's give it some context. You couldn't make a film about teenagers, a comedy, an R-rated comedy like this without putting some boobs in it. It was just part of what it was requisite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. John Hughes is the only one who wasn't doing it. Mm, yeah. Um, so he uh, he meets Jason's best friend, Derek, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, my God. I was not expecting him. No. He is so good in this. So this is a year after Weird Science. And I remember when we watched Weird Science and I'm like, that is not the Robert Downey Jr. I recognise from mm. today. This... What's the difference a year makes? This, I can already see the makings of the Robert Downey Jr. we still have on screen now. Yeah. Yep, he's got pink and purple hair. He's got several different hairstyles throughout. It's brilliant. <laughs> His first scene, he's explaining uh, that capitalism is why they aren't getting dates. 
He is, as is, he's described later as a student who finds issues where there are no issues, right. which I think perfectly sums yeah. up his character. That's the character, isn't yeah, it? Because yeah. he's not in it much, but that's enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they did say, who was it who said? His, oh, the producer, Chuck Russell, said, uh, the, set was, the set was fun, but with Robert Downey Jr., Sam Kinison and Rodney, it was a little bit like herding cats. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Danny Jr. was his troubled past was happening at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the, yeah, he was constantly losing these actors, and uh, he said he would lose Rodney after five, four or five takes. That's a lot of takes. We did a film recently that only had two takes per scene. <laughs> yeah. um, so we learn we've got some character stuff here. <laughs> Thornton always wanted to go to college. He dreamed of it. Mm. Jason is dropping out. The diving coach won't even talk to him. But without an education, Jason, you're nothing. So it's cutting back to the beginning. He's become his dad. Become his dad. Remember, you're a melon, son. (laughs) (laughs) And then... uh, Am I right in thinking, at the very start, his name is Maloney. Um, It's like, and they never reference the fact that to become a success, yeah. it's not addressed on screen. But from the very beginning, where he's a kid, to and the, the name of the shop that his dad runs, yeah. to where he is, he's dropped the eye. Yeah. And it's a very subtle comment on the fact that to actually be a success, he's had to take a, a, a more Western, more English, rather, name and, and drop the, uh, the eye from his Italian name. Yeah, good spot. Mm. Uh, I love it. So um, Thornton Mellon, uh, formerly Maloney, says... Okay, I'll do it with you. I'm going to college. Mm-hmm. And that's our plot. Yep. Uh, Dean Martin isn't convinced. <laughs> right. Now, every single time he's called Dean Martin, I was laughing. Yeah. He's a great. It's guy. so stupid, yep. but it works, doesn't yep. it? Uh, played by the wonderful Ned Beatty. Um, and oh, Ned Beatty. <laughs> so he doesn't want Mellon in his school. Uh, so Mellon funds their business school and he's in. Uh, but this makes uh, Dr. Barbet annoyed. Mm. Uh, as does the soil that's tipped on him by Thornton Mellon. Paxton Whitehead, I was watching him going, where do I know you mm, from? Where? He's Rachel's boss when she works at Bloomingdale's in Friends. Oh, wow. That's where I know him from. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, mm. probably, I'm probably the same. Yeah. He's very good here, so he's, essentially, he's effectively the film's villain. Sure. Because we meet the other film's villain now, uh, <laughs> the, when they're signing up for class. Uh, yeah, uh, young Jason makes an enemy of Johnny Lawrence from The Karate Kid. <laughs> Have you got the quote from him? It's it, I feel for him. I've got a quote from him from the AV Club in 2010. Is yeah, this the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Billy Zabka said, uh, when back to school came around, this was the first time I thought, wait a minute, this is starting to happen too much, uh, in reference to him playing the bully. He says, I actually tried to have more fun with Chaz. I thought, I'm going to be funny now. I don't just want to play a jerk. So I put on a funny walk and I had a scarf. Uh, they cut out most of my funny bits, though. In fact, the director pulled me aside one day and said, we need you to be more like the guy you did in The Karate Kid. You're coming off as too likeable and funny. Oh. Which is fair enough. Like, yeah, yeah we, you're not the comic relief here. No. You're the arsehole. Yeah. And he was so good at being an arsehole. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but now we've learned, thanks to Cobra Kai, which I still don't think you've watched. No idea, mates. Um, he, he's really, really funny. Mm. He's one of the funniest people on TV right now. And good. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, scarves and a funny walk. He's come a long way. <laughs> come a long way. Oh, there's so much pathos, though, in his Johnny Lawrence in Cobra Kai. Anyway, so uh, Lou, I haven't mentioned Lou. Uh, Lou is, uh, what is he? He's Thornton's driver. He's sort of his butler. Paulie. 
Paulie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paulie. Uh, Bert, uh, what's his name? Bert Young. Bert Young from the Rocky movies. Um, he's his best friend. He's his bodyguard. Mm. You imagine that they grew up on the mean streets together oh my and God. he just always had Thornton's back. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his appearance just tells you his character, doesn't it, in every film? Yeah, his appearance in Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's big cues uh, in the signing up room. Uh, so they clear the room with Lou pretending he's waiting for Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> when the boss was at the height of his powers in 86. I love Bruce Springsteen. I know, and I, I realise that, but it's just that funny thing where you're watching a, a, an entire foyer clear because someone says Bruce Springsteen's in a limo outside. Oh, Born in the USA was just one year before. Right, sure. Doesn't get bigger. Um, so, in a scene from Caddyshack, Thornton Mellon goes to the school's shop, tells the, same, tells the saleswoman he'd like to tame her shrew, uh, and gives everyone free stuff, because that's what he does. Yep. Uh, we meet uh, Hot Lips from MASH. Um, played by Sally Kellerman. Yeah. Uh, she's a teacher at the school and she likes what she sees. She's impressed with his sense of fun. She's very, very good in this. She is. She got an Oscar nom, didn't she, for MASH? She so. did. Yeah, she's great. I really like she her. She did a lot of Robert Altman films. Yeah, she's, she's a really good actress. Um, although it doesn't, you know, one of the things that doesn't really make sense in this film is why she's with Barbet. Yeah, sure, but I think she seems like... I think it works, bearing in mind her character, which is sort of like, she's so, like, free-spirited. She's just like, yeah, sure, let's hang out. She never seems like she's in a committed relationship no. with him. No, sure. That's him, with his old-fashioned way, assuming that she is in some sort of permanent committed relationship, and she's this free spirit who's like, that yeah. was never the deal. Never. Never the deal. Never, Barbe. I think... Rodney Dangerfield's favourite line, I believe, he delivers to her at one point in the film. Of all the gags in this film, his favourite line is, why don't you call me sometime when you have no class? <laughs> yeah, but it comes after she said all the classes she's busy yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. It's great. That's it's why a double it's good. missing. Oh, my God, yeah. Double meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It's brilliant. Yeah. All right, that's the best joke in the film. Uh, we're going to take a break now and come back with a lot more. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we're back. So our Thornton's renovated their dorm room because they need a hot tub. Great joke. Lovely stuff. Great joke. <laughs> And also wish fulfillment. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Imagine having that in college. Suddenly you're like, yep. Yep. And then the guys who did the renovations, he gives them an extra tip because he made them work over the weekend. Mm-hmm. He's just a good guy. Mm-hmm. The whole way through the film, he's being nice to people. He's giving them money. He's just a generous, big-hearted guy, which makes him seem, you know, some of the stuff he says is slightly dodge. Some of the stuff he says is slightly dodged. But he never, feel, he never feels like a lech. No, exactly. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the scene where he's got a snorkel on in the hot tub with uh, three college girls. Yeah. The whole feel of this movie, more so than I'd argue Caddyshack, is very, very warm. There's yes, a real agreed. warmth to this movie that helps you forgive all the other glaring things. Or rather, they would be glaring in another movie that didn't somehow capture this kind of real feel-good atmosphere. Well, we talked to, on the Caddyshack episode, I think that was a warm-hearted movie about this young guy trying to make it a, a Caddy Academy. And then they just got these big stars together and just chucks all this plot out so they could just have joke, joke, joke. And so they didn't really care yeah. about how you felt. Yeah. Uh, but I agree, there's much more going on here. So we've got classes now. Thorne's attending classes. Uh, Dr. Barbet's up first. He wants them to create a fictional company. Um... Thornton wants to know what the product is that this fictional company is creating. Barbe doesn't like that. And there's quite an interesting argument here happening about theory and academia versus practicality and real-world actuality. Yep. Uh, he talks a lot of sense, Thornton does. Uh, he tells him you're better off leasing the, the building rather than buying the building. He talks about teamsters, building inspectors, waste disposal, bribes, kickbacks. <laughs> you know, he's lived in the real world, whereas Barbe is one of these teachers who, I guess, has never left school. Mm. Um... He has contemporary American history with Sam Kinison. So as we said, um, Sam Kinison is one of the comedians that Rodney Dangerfield really helped out at the start of his career. He was as wild as anyone that's ever done stand-up comedy, really. He was one of the rock and roll stand-ups. He did a lot, a lot, a lot of cocaine. Have you seen his stand-up? I have, yes, I I have. I mean, anyone who hasn't, I mean... Like his legacy is that Bill Hicks was obviously hugely, hugely, and they were friends, but he was hugely influenced by him. And yeah. um, obviously, Sam Kinison died uh, young in a car crash, hit by a drunk driver. And his stand up, though, Bill Hicks basically took it and took out because there was some, it was dark, it was dark stand up. And he, mm. he was playing a character, but there was some misogyny in there, there was mm. quite a lot of nationalism in there. And Bill Hicks basically softened all of that and took. The added a bit more left-wing ideology, let's say, and, and that was his act, but mm. it was influenced. And in terms of his delivery, he would literally scream at the audience. That was sort of what made him 
unique. And that's the character here. Rodney Dangerfield made sure they wrote this part for him of this teacher who asks his pupils about the Vietnam War. He hears the popular version from a young woman in the class. And then he says, I was there and just loses his shit. Yeah, yeah the good bit. Because you're like, well, he's just doing his stand-up. But obviously in his stand-up act, he wouldn't have a chair to hurl across the room, which <laughs> just takes it to the next level. Yeah. But it's great. Well, they wanted a, um, Alan Mehta said they wanted uh, all the... Uh, all the people, the students in that room to look absolutely shocked. And so to get their reaction shots behind the camera, Sam Kinison was actually doing his stand-up act, which is fucking extreme. And so those expressions are genuine. They were like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. What is what is this man doing? And on set, apparently, he was moaning to Ned Beatty about how small his role was. And yeah. Beatty said, I was in Network and I was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, I was only in that film for about five minutes. It doesn't matter how small your part is if you make some noise. Mm. And the producer said, Sam definitely made some noise. Yeah. Uh, so he falls in love with Hot Lips. Um, there's a dream sequence in a field by a sheep. Whatever. He asks her out to dinner, uh, but she's kind of dating Barbet. Yeah, they're developing a sort of romance here. A bit of casual homophobia. He says, I don't change near guys because the next thing you know, you're gay. Um, Yeah, not all the jokes have aged well. Uh, Jason's diving well, though. Thornton does the same. Uh, We learn about him being in the Jersey Water Show. He opened for a horse and he did the impossible dive. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh is impressed. M. Emmett Walsh, (laughs) another great character actor. If you haven't seen Brud Simple, he's one of the that's one of the best performances you'll ever see. Yeah. Um, great face, great actor. And he immediately bonds with um, Thornton and they see Jason do the two and a half. And so Jason is on the swim team. Uh, Thornton and Lou. I mean, sorry, when we go, when we do comedies, it's quite hard to talk through that. I'm just going through scenes, really. <laughs> it's fine. You that's... know, they're, what are they? They're scenes, they're sort of sketches. It's, do you know, I mean, I can't believe you're apologising for this. What do I do when we do comedies? I go, and then this line. You and do. then this line. And I read the lines out, so welcome to Thursday. <laughs> um, uh, we're in a bar. Thornton and Lou are chatting up birds. Um, the line that you said earlier, I've got it written in red here. Uh, a picture of beer every seven minutes until someone passes out, then every ten. I want to say that one day. <laughs> uh, suddenly, Rodney is singing Twist and Shout while dancers thrust at him. Uh, not the first time uh, Rodney Dangerfield has done music. Uh, Alex, I sent you a video before this uh, recording. What happens in this video, Alex? <laughs> Do you mean, is it rapping Rodney? It is rapping Rodney. Rapping Rodney. Uh, very cleverly, I think, Rodney Dangerfield has repurposed his one-liners into a rap song. And as long as those one-liners rhyme with the next one-liner, it's gold. And so he does his one-liners as a rap. It shouldn't work. It works. (laughs) I wasn't sure if you were joking when you said it works. I really loved it. Yeah. I mean, it ended up on MTV's rap show. (laughs) Should it have been there? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I didn't know that. Maybe not. But, you know, I mean, I've always... I've always bestowed this sort of self-awareness of him because it always does feel like he's just doing his act. And there is no way a man who is that funny and that good at what he does isn't aware that, you know, this is just him doing his act. So I think he's like, sure, why not? I'll do this. Yeah. I don't think he's like, this is great music I'm making. <laughs> it is great. Uh, Dowdy Jr. causes some some aggro at a rally, a, a post-pep rally, um, and it ends up in a bar brawl because Lou is ready to fuck the football team up. I love a bar fight in a <laughs> yeah. movie, and this is a good one. This is a great bar fight. Hooper, great bar fight in the Brooke Reynolds movie. Hooper, love that. Uh, the uh, More recently... 
the world's end. Love yep. the fight in that. It's yep. great. I think it's one of my favourite scenes in that. Yeah. With some bar brawls in uh, Blues Brothers we did two weeks ago. Three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that episode. Okay. Oh, yeah, you weren't here. Uh, yeah, and also, oh, you weren't here last week, so, oh, <laughs> we haven't caught up in a spell. What the fuck? I didn't know the commitments won until last week when I had to speak to Vicky about it, and she apologised for not alerting me when you made the commitments joke on the seven episode a week later when I was talking about Seven being yeah, a perfect yeah. film, and you yeah, went, yeah. oh, it's not the commitments, and I didn't realise what you were referencing. I cannot believe the commitments won, but it also won the poll, so fine. People can be wrong, and... End scene. It was funny. Me and Vicky said after it wasn't even close. There wasn't even a second where we thought we were going to vote for the commitment, uh, the P- Blues Brothers rather. When watching the, them, what's wrong with the Blues Brothers? Just, I don't think it's a film. It's a better film. I don't think it's, it's a film, a mate. Great, no, great film. I don't think it's a film. Fine. Someone hide the cocaine next time. They're making a Blues Brothers movie. <laughs> um, so uh, Thornton gets some private tutor sessions with Hot Lips. They head out on a date and see two dogs shagging. Those two to get a room yeah he says do you know what I, this is what i discovered so there's an argument no one can be sure but the joke that has been so often used that we use in real life the phrase get a room that originated with rodney dangerfield yeah well there's an oral history where his friends claim that okay fine sure. why not someone had to come up with it i'm i'm happy it sounds it believable sounds, it feels like something he would have said first yeah yeah, uh, they have uh, they sort of bond over the fact he's not impressed with independent women and she doesn't like sensitive men. <laughs> Don't know what's going on there. She says to him, "You know, I've got she. I'm just, you know, there's, there's that bit where she's like, you know, men are all trying to be so sensitive these days. Yeah, you go, I see the appeal of Thornton yeah, yeah, in this yeah. moment. Yep, but but why is she impressed with him not being impressed with independent women? Isn't that what she is? <laughs> oh yeah, not that bit. I didn't, okay, yeah, I didn't uh, write down that bit. I like it when she says, "If we finish this bottle of wine, you won't have to beg." <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Uh, no yeah. one's ever said that to me. <laughs> so she's antici- she's anticipating that you would normally be begging. Yes. Right, got you. I would. Uh, they laugh at Barbe on their way into Shag. He's outside her house and they just piss themselves. Look at him. I feel really bad for him. It's a bit moment. cruel. I mean, he's awful, but he doesn't deserve to be laughing. Just have, have his semi-girlfriend laugh in his face. Mm. Yeah, hurtful. And they cut from what we think is going to be them shagging to Lou massaging him. <laughs> it's a lovely cut. Uh, Thornton has a big paper on Kurt Vonnegut he's got to write. So Kurt, Von- Kurt Vonnegut comes to the door. <laughs> um, Thornton visits a lab where there's a bloke teaching apes how to read and write. Were they chimps? I wasn't sure. Chimps. Um, pointless scene. There's apes. so much potential here. Nothing really happens. Yeah. He just feeds them pizza and they watch wrestling or something, don't they? It's like, it just doesn't go anywhere. Sure. I think both these movies have one scene that could be excised. Yeah. Or do something with it. I mean, you've got, you've got the combination of Dangerfield and apes. Yeah. Do something funny. Uh, right. He's back in class. Thornton's secretary is, is taking notes for him. Yeah. Edie McClurg mm-hmm. from 10... Things I hate about you. We did. Was it her? Was it that that we did her? We talked a lot about how great she is. Ferris Bueller's day off. Right. She's Rooney's secretary. Yeah. Um, she might be in Ten Things I Hate no, About You. Maybe you're right. She's the no, she's the um, the rental agent in a film we haven't done, but we'll be doing soon. Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. The one that Steve Martin swears at. Okay. And yeah, I think it is Ferris Bueller. Yeah. I didn't realise until doing this. She is Mallory's mum in Natural Born Killers. She plays Ronnie Dangerfield's <laughs> wife. So that's a reunion of this cast. Wow. Even though I don't think she's on screen with Ronnie Dangerfield in this film. 
Um, Barbe tells him he's never going to graduate. Uh, Thornton has his employees write his reports. Jason's livid. I don't know, does this undermine sort of Mellon's message about doing hard work when he just hires his underlings to do his work? Or is this showing, oh, he's just clever, he can cut corners, he's good at this kind of thing? This is why he's successful in business. Great question. I don't know if I'm thinking about back to school too deeply here. I certainly didn't think about that quandary when I was watching it. I was just like, fine. We'll think about it now. He's going to get there. He has to to get it wrong. He's not perfect. Mm. Otherwise, where's his low point? This is his low point. He has to do something wrong to then do it right. So he falls out with Jason here. Uh, Johnny Lawrence tells Jason that Thornton bought his way onto the swim team and bought the judges out. Um, Johnny Lawrence does a great dive. Jason messes his up. And we're into party time. Fraternity caveman party being overshadowed by Melon's own party because Oingo Boingo are playing at <laughs> Melon's party. Now... It- did you? I grew up listening to Oingo Boingo on film soundtracks that I buy and never understanding them, never liking them. I still don't understand what they were. Mm. Obviously, love Danny Elfman's soundtrack work, his score work. But as for the band, I know they're so popular, but uh, it's, it's not with me. No, no, you. And every time I've seen them in a movie, here, every time I've, I've seen no a movie idea. with them, and I'm like, that song's a bit shit. Yeah, I was. I didn't. I wasn't really aware of much of Oingo and Boingo. No, it was interesting seeing him on screen. Yeah, and yeah. Danny Elfman in yeah. this, but that was about it. Uh, they're playing a song. Ronnie Dangerfield's doing his Caddyshack dance. Yep. Um, Jason's pissed off here, and he storms out while pouring beer everywhere. Uh, <laughs> Jason, Jason's meltdown from yeah, from who he is to this sort of angsty, like sitting in the bushes drinking beer, being awful to is it Valerie? Valerie? It's just like this is no, this is a bit of a bit of a bit of a long shot. I think what happened with Jason, he's played by an actor called Keith Gordon, mm. um, who's fine here, but I think his finest hour is probably in Christine, which is something we will do. He's yep. the lead in Christine. But I think he realised, I'm not the best actor in the world, but maybe I can direct. Because he directed a film I love called A Midnight Clear from the 80s. But if you look recently, he's a TV director. These yes. are his credits. Homeland, Legion, Fargo, Better Call Saul, The Leftovers, Nerf Jackie, Masters of Sex, Like the Killing, Dexter... I mean, he's just done all the good stuff, so he's clearly found his calling. Yeah. Uh, So police are bringing beer into the party. That's the kind of popularity Thornton has at this point. But again, set up, payoff. You see him bribe the cops at the start, and then they're back delivering beer. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, It's because he's nice to other people. People are nice to him. Uh, He asks one of the girls in a hot tub to straighten out his Longfellow. Uh, he gets caught under the water in a scene that Alex has mentioned. So Hot Lips comes in and sees him snorkeling with these bikini babes. Um, he says, say hello to my nieces. Uh, she storms out, making her a massive hypocrite. Mm. Would you say? Yeah, sure. She's all about his free-spirited life. Yeah, I didn't read it at the time, but yeah, you're right. You're right. He's just having a bit of fun. Just having a bit He's of fun. He's in a room with loads of people. Mm, yeah. It's... A bit sleazy. And he, he, he didn't plan on doing it in front of her, whereas she had no problem doing it in front of Barbe. Exactly. And they're loving it. Um, Jason punches Johnny Lawrence out and then has an argument with his dad. Uh, Hot Lips fails him for plagiarism. Whoever did write this doesn't know the first thing about Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> 
And then cut to him telling Kurt Vonnegut to fuck off on the phone. He's going to call Robert Ludlam next, which is weird. Did they do school papers about the Bourne movies back then? The Bourne books? Oh, yeah. 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 Didn't it was a weird choice. Yeah. It was a weird sure. choice. Uh, Thornton lies that he works on his own stuff to the deans, and so he's got to have an oral exam. So we're into uh, the finale here. He'll be expelled if he fails any part of this oral exam, which means we've got... Jeopardy, Jeopardy, Jeopardy. Sort of. Sort of. I mean, you weren't really looking for Jeopardy in this movie. At no point was it like, ooh, this could go either way. <laughs> so, But it does mean we get a revising montage. Yeah. Can't beat a revising montage. Sure. Uh, the last time we saw Hot Lips, uh, she hated him. Cut to her whispering um, stuff into his ear. All's forgiven. Yeah, I mean, we've gone straight to my change, but I've got a different change, so I'll do this one now. It's... Um, I think what they've done here, because this does not feel like the right moment in the film for them to be making up as part of his revision montage. Yeah. She should... Because it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. She should wait and see him having put in the work at the end and at that point go, do you know what? I was wrong about you or it's all forgiven. Well done. 100%. The only thing I can think is that you cannot have a movie that ends up with two people who have fallen out make it up. So you've got Jason, his son and him, making up at the end. Yeah. So you can't have them back to back. So they soften it. They dilute that payoff by having it happen earlier. Mm, I would have forgiven it having it back to back because it doesn't work there. Uh, Jason reveals his love to Diane. Okay, we can't do both my changes, so no comments. She says, this is the most you've ever said to me. (laughs) So... Jason, you can't be you can't be in love with each other if you've never spoken to each other. It's just as weird as it sounds. Just have him going too big and have her going, let's see how it goes. Yeah. But she cannot say, I've always loved you too. What? <laughs> We've never spoken to each other. This I'm a that, foot taller than you. This is our longest conversation and, and how weird that we're both in love with each other. What about that? Just so underdeveloped, this stuff. Yeah, I think you could pull out a lot of stuff because Jason, I think, needs just more development here. If you're going to have him have a romance, just don't bother with the romance, to be honest. Yeah. His romance is with his dad. Sure. Um, so we're in, apparently, we're in the flash dance room. Oh, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, this is the hall where she does the dance at the end of flash dance. Okay. Which is all I've ever seen of flash dance, actually. Did it's we the... do flash dance? No, we did Footloose. Oh, you always get this confused. <laughs> yeah, I've done it again. Yeah. yeah, flash dance is the one where she's the welder Never by day, it. dancer by night. We should do it. Right, we okay. should do it. Sure. Happy apparently, to do it. apparently. But uh, you, you've seen the music video where you've got yeah, the dance. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Kevin Bacon, right? He's got this exactly. Yeah. Uh, on a tractor. So uh, Barbe starts tough, uh, but Melon gets through that. Um, Sam Kinison shouts at him. He gets that right. Uh, Hot lips. As in reading, do not go gentle into that good night. Mm. It's quite moving seeing Rodney say rage, rage, rage against the dying of the light. He's really going for it there. Yep. Could, could he be an actor? Well, we, we never found out. Uh, 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 to come, my verdict on that. To come. Uh, and he, and he's, now he really wants this. He says, I don't take shit from no one. I'm going to pass this test. I'm going to stay in school. Uh, at the same time, we've got some diving happening outside. Derek is heckling one diver and he's shining a light at another. Uh, Johnny Lawrence called Jason a fleeb. Have you ever heard that? Never heard that before. No. Never heard that before. I will say of Johnny Lawrence's failing to dive well. Yes. Now, we've seen Robert Downey Jr. He's been flashing a mirror sunlight yes. in a previous diver's Just said face. That. Yep. And this dive, you think it's going to be... Robert Downey Jr. doing that against Johnny Lawrence. Mm. But the fact that he doesn't 
is really quite clever writing because you'd think it doesn't really matter at this point. We're, we're having declarations of love. Who gives a fuck? It yeah. doesn't matter. But to have him fail of his own accord, having said earlier, you mm. know, that I never have an off day to Jason. Yeah, yeah. That's really quite good that it's just him. Yeah. No, no, no. It was no, there's no tool that is undermining his ability to dive. It's just him having an off day. I find a lot of it confusing, though. He's never had an off day, but they don't appear to have won a dive meet in quite a long time. Right. Um, and then when Jason does his perfect dive, Johnny Lawrence pretends he's injured. Why is he doing that? What's he getting out of pretending to be injured? I remember it making sense at the time, but I can't think of what it was now. Because what's going to happen? They, they forfeit the tournament? Isn't he forcing... Isn't he forcing... Oh, no! He's saying he can't dive. He's their best diver. He's saying he can't dive and forcing Jason. That's right, because I've got it here. He forces... He thinks he's going to force Jason to dive again and under the pressure... But Jason's just done a perfect dive. Yeah, but... uh, Yeah. And also, this is what I'm going to say. This is literally taken from Caddyshack where uh, Chevy Chase pretends to be injured at the end so someone else will go in for him in the final match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, for fuck's sake, so what This was only like nah. five years ago. What we've done here, we've got to find a way for Rodney to do the dive. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Did you see Caddyshack? Use that. <laughs> but but Roddy Dangerfield was in it. You were involved, Harold. Doesn't matter. They'll forget. Uh, so they put Thornton in. He's going to do the triple Lindy. He checks the wind. Uh, he does some farts with his armpit. Uh, he bounces off all the boards uh, with his dumb grin on his face, and he wins. Yeah. So, have you seen this sequence before, Alex? Yeah, I look, I've written it down here. I'm like, I'm sure I've seen it in another film. Mm, I can't remember this, what. I feel like this is a band you might have liked. Go on. Oh, it's some 41. It's some 41 in In Too Deep. Yeah. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. I knew I'd seen it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like them a lot. All Killing of Fellows, one of the great albums of all time. Yeah, so to the point, so I watched the video for the first time I had uh, <laughs> this week, and they're literally once someone's in the in the crowd doing the Downey Jr. stuff, and one of the band gets up and he even does the armpit farts thing. Yeah. And then the finale is bouncing off, doing exactly the same thing with the the bad the bad uh, green screen with him grinning while he goes off the board. Now, if Rodney had emerged from the pool playing an electric guitar solo, like some 41 in that video that would have been amazing yeah I don't know it might, I, don't, I don't think it would have worked no of course it would have <laughs> so he bounces off the boards with that big grin on his face and he wins and there's hugs all around he's passed he got all B's but an A from Hot Lips yeah and it's graduation day um, freshman Thornton's addressing the graduating class he says don't go it's rough out there move back with your parents let them worry about it he does thumbs up and the film's over <laughs> Did they forget to write this scene? <laughs> That's no way for a comedian to end a movie. Move back with your parents. Let them worry about it. Thumbs up. <laughs> Do a joke. I mean, I was out by this point. I was like, "That's good. Back to school is finished. I get it. I wasn't really paying attention. I certainly wasn't looking for a life lesson at the end. No, but then they have over the credits Aretha Franklin singing Respect. Yep. Which I was like, that's weird. But of course, he can't get no respect. <laughs> he can't get no respect. It brings us back to the start. <laughs> so yeah, fourth biggest film of the year in America in 1986. Um, but one that I don't has really stuck around. Hence, you'd never heard of it. No, I, no one had, apparently. I had. <laughs> I rented this when I was eight, as I said. Um, and 
I really enjoyed it, but it wasn't a film that I rented a lot. I didn't watch this all the time, like the other films of that era, like Caddyshack or even Ferris Bueller. So, yeah, I'm glad we're bringing it back. Yeah, happy to do it. Happy to be part of this journey. Good right. to have it back. Let's do the bits and bobs. Sure. Uh, what is your favourite scene, Alex? Uh, so, I didn't do it at the time, because I'm going to do it now. Honestly, I think Roddy Dangerfield performing Dylan Thomas in that test... I honestly did not expect it to be quite good. A, I thought he was going to do a joke, and then when I realised he wasn't really going to do a joke, it was be just okay. I think he's better than Kane in Interstellar. Mm. I was like, this is really, really good. That is a big shout. It's a big shout. Rodney Dangerfield is better than Michael Kane <laughs> In his delivery of Dylan yeah. Thomas. Maybe he just connects with the material better. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying that moment is actually very, you touched on it, moving. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've got him singing "Twist and Shout" while the woman <laughs> gyrates over him. Uh, I've just realised it's pure cinema. Sure, sure. I think mine's better, but go on. Most valuable, whatever. Uh, Roddy Dangerfield. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, it'll never totally work, and it's always going to be an acquired taste, which is where we started reeling off gags in a movie. People don't interact like that. People don't do that in real life. It's always going to take you out of a scene because it's a man performing one-liners to people mm. and. One-liners require a reaction. They always have. It's like a one-liner is funny because people laugh at it. You can't have people falling around laughing unless you're making Caddyshack when Rodney does his one-liners. Mm. So it's always a little jarring. But that said, he's just, uh, you know, he's a man possessed in this movie. Mm. He literally delivers warmth mm. and makes what could be a little bit of a tasteless film at yep. points just really, really likeable. Same for all the reasons you said. You said you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, Ronnie Dangerfield, two for two. Uh, change. I've done both of mine. Yeah. Uh, I think first of all the moment where um, Diane and Rodney Thornton get together is just too early. It's like you don't you don't do them making up in a montage and her helping him overcome the thing that pissed her off with him in the first place. Yeah, it makes no sense. But even worse is uh, I love you. I've always loved you. I've always loved you too. How weird. I just, it can't. No, agreed, agreed. Um, also, you've got to have a scene of him on a golf course in his plaids playing the stereo <laughs> in his golf bag. you just got to do it. You had the photo earlier. Sure. Give us the moment. Sure. If you're going to rip off Caddyshack, at least yeah. be so self-aware about it that you people go, oh, they knew. That's fine. Yeah, RDCU. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. All right. So that is Back to School done. Uh, let's look ahead to next week. There's no point doing a quiz, although, I mean, we could do because I'd win and it would just be regular service. No, you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Uh, so, have you got a clue or have I got a clue? I mean, I've got a clue. All but... right, good. Good, because, I mean, basically, based on last week, yeah. it's probably best that I sort of take a step back and just really, really refresh my clue-giving ability. Sure. So I'll, I'll hand to you for the clue for next week's mm. pairing. When in Rome... <laughs> and I'm back. I feel confident to be able to give a clue in future based on that. Based on that. Wow. Oh, that was good. It was a good little refresher there, but I'm pleased it happened. Uh, so the clue for next week's pairing is when in Rome. You can hit us up on Twitter at ClashPod with your guesses. There'll be another one appearing on our Twitter shortly before we record next week's pairing. And we will be back on Thursday chatting old school and seeing which film will be victorious. Until then, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or indeed wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ClashPod. Till Thursday, have a great week. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production.
and part of the Acast Creator Network.